Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Getting ready to represent Christ to your world today. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning again today. I am reading across a number of headlines right now, and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, which one of these would be edifying? <laughs> um, right. So sometimes when we are reading the headlines of the day, we think to ourselves, um, the world is irreparably broken. And when we have that thought, the very next thought should be that we have a God who redeems. We have a God who recognizes our brokenness and deals with it. God is right now making all things new. Right now. I know it might not feel like it, and it might not look like it, and it certainly, if you're reading the headlines of the day, it might not read like it. Um, But trust me when I tell you, right now, God is making all things new. If you are a person who's in Christ, God has begun a good work in you by the power of his Holy Spirit that he will indeed bring to completion. That's a promise of Scripture you can count on. You are, um, you're not yet perfected, but one day you will be. How cool is that? Um, So let us not despair. I I have encountered a number of Christians lately who um, seem to be on the verge or actively engaged in what I would only call, or can only call, despair. And let me, let me encourage you that you're spending too much time in the headlines and not enough time in the Word of God. You're spending too much time in conversations um, with people uh, who are um, pepper pickers and all about um, the bad news, and you're not spending enough time in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God has sent a Savior. God uh, has redeemed, and God is actively redeeming now. And so let me encourage you to spend some time in the Word of God um, this weekend. Call out for yourself some Valentines that God has sent you. You can pick any book of the Bible and look for the Valentines therein. God has sent His love to us uh, in the form of the written Word, of the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, and in the form of Jesus, and in the form of the Holy Spirit, and in the form of the fellowship that we experience in the life of the church. If you are a person who is married, God sends marriage as a a living testimony to to what union is like, intended to be like. So there you go. Um, uh, If you have kids, that is uh, an expression of God's sacred trust to you because they belong first to him. So God has entrusted you with those little people. You say to yourself, oh my goodness, God trusts me too much. Well, God has also given you everything necessary. He has poured out every spiritual gift necessary into your life for the accomplishing of of his will in this day. Did you know that? Everything. You have everything that you need to accomplish God's will in your life today. 
Scripture promises that. That's one of his valentines. All right, Adam Holtz is waiting in the wings. He serves at Focus on the Families Plugged In. We're going to review some things that you might be watching this weekend. We're also going to talk about cancel culture and some social shaming going on in the culture right now. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Joining me now, Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In. Hey, Adam, welcome back. Good morning, Carmen. Um, so, uh, yeah, what's what? Look out the window. I don't know. Can you look out a window where you are? Uh, I bet it's really pretty the, where you I'm are. I'm in the basement, so I'll have to look up. We yeah, we got mm-hmm. about an inch of snow last night, so it has mm-hmm. that sort of white white Christmassy feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's white. It's, yeah. it's 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 always white Christmas where you live. I love it. Okay. Um, yeah, it's not it's always winter and never Christmas. It's, um yeah. Okay. So not everybody feels that way about snow today, but you and I are going to feel that way about snow just for a few minutes. Okay. Tell us it's about... A, it's a choice we can make, definitely. It is a choice we can make. Um, oh, well, so every single one of those snowflakes, here's a, here's a redemptive thought for Valentine's weekend. Every single one of those little snowflakes is utterly unique. I mean, like, there's never going to be another snowflake like each and every one of those snowflakes that's out there right now. And God sent them to you, not to me. I don't live in a snowflake place. God didn't send me any snowflakes for Valentine's Day. Look at all of those perfectly unique in all of history snowflakes that God sent just for you. That is awesome. I, okay, there you go. I will go look at them this morning and think of mm-hmm. that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Ta- talk with us about To All the Boys, Always and Forever. Uh, this is the third of a series of movies on Netflix that is um, – it's kind of a half glass full, half empty, although it's maybe emptier this time around than the first two movies. Um, this is a, a multi-movie love story with a high school girl named Laura, Je- named Laura Jean, and she has the love of her life. His name is Peter, uh, and it is the culmination of their multi-movie arc. And it's also a series of young adult books. And the glass half full part is that compared to say, uh, you know, Riverdale or lots of the really, really, really scandalous stuff that features teens jumping in and out of bed, you know, at the drop of a hat, this one has had some restraint. She, especially with regard to sexuality, uh, has been uh, pretty pure, uh, at least compared to what we would see elsewhere. Um, but she and Peter have decided that it's time to cross that threshold in their relationship because they are certain that they are meant for each other. Uh, and so, you know, there are a lot of things that happen in this, but that's where things are inexorably moving toward in this movie. And I think that, um, even here, there's a, there's a moment where they almost come up to that point, but he decides he's not ready. Um, so again, Kudos for actually suggesting that at least temporarily you can say no, but it does go there. And I like the fact that it it links sex and commitment, and they even talk about a lifetime commitment. Again, great, but nobody's putting a ring on it. And I think um, it's easier to talk about making a lifetime commitment than actually making one and waiting until that moment to consummate your relationship. So I think it it ultimately still sends a message to teens that what matters most is your feelings in the moment. And yeah, you can feel that this is the one and this is forever, 
but we all know of, of stories that um, would suggest that that doesn't always work out, that, that you still don't have the protection of God's covenantal relationship of marriage, which is the context that he has designed marriage for. And in that context, it is, it is an amazing and wonderful thing. All right. And then you've got, um, you got a couple of other things that are, that are new out. Um, yes. I don't even, I don't even know how to pronounce, is it Minari? Minari? It's, Min- it's Minari. Yeah. It's Minari. And, Minar- and then also, yeah. And then also land. So let's touch on each of these quickly. Yep. Minari is a movie in theaters and, um, our very own Paul AC, who is on every now and then did our written review of this. Um, he saw it late last year and said it was his favorite movie of 2020. So, um, take that into consideration. It is about a Korean American family that moves from Southern California to Arkansas because the, the father, Jacob decides that he wants to be a farmer. This is a movie about the American dream and it's about what happens to their family after they move because his wife, Monica is not interested in going to Arkansas because she has no (laughs) fellowship, no community and feels completely cut off even as her husband pursues his dream. They have a huge conflict over it. So this is a movie about conflict in marriage. They also have a son with health problems and they both have to work and she's concerned because the nearest hospital is an hour away. So they invite his mother to come live with them and she comes over from Korea uh, brimming with all manner of, uh, you know, tales from the old country, if you will, just wisdom from from a different perspective. And she's pretty irreverent and sometimes mildly inappropriate, too. So she swears quite often, and, and her young grandson says, this is not the way grandmas are supposed to be. Um, but it's pretty, it's pretty gentle. I mean, it's not anything over the top. Um, do you think that my grandchildren, family. do you think that my grandchildren are saying things like that? She really isn't even like a real grandma. <laughs> no, they're, they're saying things like, how does she find time to be in God's word so much? We don't oh, understand. Do yeah. mm, you think? Mm. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty whimsical when it comes to being a grandma. I just confess that, but well, I'm also, but I'm also kind of strict. I'm definitely, I'm definitely like the strict grandma. I don't know, you know. Yeah. All right, we got to take a break. I, I know we have okay. to take a break. I'm 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 marching all over. Um, Love it. You know this schedule that that Paul sets out for me every single day. But we do have to take a break. Uh-huh. When we come back, Adam Holtz and I are going to continue our conversation. Um, you can find everything we're talking about today at PluggedIn We're going to pivot to a conversation about cancel culture and social shaming. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, continue my conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Adam, I like to um, I like to save up my media headlines for you on Fridays, yes. and so today I have a headline um, related to the Mandalorian. Yeah. So what what is the headline I'm looking at related to the Mandalorian? Well, that Gina Carano was fired after a social media post that riled people up. Okay, so. Um, Without you um, and nor I taking a stand on what she said, can we talk yeah. about the response to what she said and how um, the same response by maybe even the same media company does not fall upon um, does not fall upon all people equally? Yeah, you know, 
Gina Carano um, has been tweeting out all manner of pretty conservative ideas uh, for a while now. And there has been an ongoing cultural conversation about whether she has gone too far in the eyes of the progressive left. And this last week, she had a tweet about basically talking about what does it take for a culture to get to a point where they can round up a group of people, uh, in this case, the Jews in the Holocaust. Um, And she says, you know, the government has to make people hate each other for that to even be something that is a possibility. And that was a bridge too far Who, for many who felt that comparing our political climate to um, Jews in the Holocaust was grossly insensitive uh, to the Jews in the Holocaust. Now, having said that, I, I sort of feel like Lucasfilm was waiting for her to cross some threshold that they could use as a pretense for getting rid of her uh, because she's she's conservative. She has said wildly provocative things. And whether what she has said constitutes something that's offensive or not really depends on where you sit culturally and politically. Uh, and I think that we're certainly seeing an environment in which if you're on the wrong, read the right side, the conservative side of things politically, and you're outspoken in your beliefs, um, a lot of folks in Hollywood are getting canceled or shunted to the margins because of uh, of things that they're saying that you and I could argue over whether that really is a problematic point of view or whether somebody's exercising their right to free speech. But she is the latest casualty in this ongoing culture war. So it's interesting to me in reading all of this um, to think about, let's say, the things that Rod uh, Dreher is saying in Live Not uh-huh. My Lies. I mean, like, yes. he's clearly, clearly drawing parallels between uh, America's liberal elites and um, what was going on in what became the Soviet the Soviet bloc countries. Like, he, yeah. so if you're going to talk about... What are the precursors? What are the signs in advance of something? Um, Rod Dreher's book clearly makes those parallels. What he doesn't do is make those parallels to the one thing that you can seemingly never point to unless you're on the left. Because um, I feel like it was one of the CNN commentators just recently who drew the Nazi parallel and applied it to people on the right. I mean, I'm just saying well, that, like, yeah. it's, it, I'm just saying, like, it's, it's seemingly okay in the culture to draw the parallel one direction, but not the other. So let me just right. say to our listeners, um, we interviewed Rod Dreher here on the program. The book is Live Not by Lies. He draws the same parallels um, that this actress was seeking to draw. He just does so in maybe a more delicate way. Or a right. less indelicate, that's a double negative, but I think probably the right way to say it. Um, and so just in terms of your own equipping for the conversations of the day, that might be a place to uh, a place to turn. Can I quickly um, turn to another headline, this one from Vanity Fair, which this seemed the totally appropriate place for this article to appear. Um, Vanity Fair, emphasis on vanity. Yeah. Um, Carl Lentz... Um, is uh, the former pastor of uh, a Hillsong congregation, very, very high profile. Um, I would describe him as a celebrity pastor. Yep. 
um, was not faithful in his marriage, has uh, lost his position of leadership in the church, but is now seeking, apparently, to take the fact that more people are actually talking about him than ever because of his infamy, and he's trying to leverage that for, like, his own reality TV show. What uh, in the world is going on here? Well, uh, man, it leaves me speechless, honestly, Carmen, because I think instead of a sense of remorse or guilt, it, it seems like it's a, a publicity op. You know, mm-hmm. it's taking the, the no publicity is bad publicity uh, saying to a whole new level. And I think what's sad is ultimately he's deciding, and I'm, I'm making a judgment here, so I'm just going to say that. But by the choice to have a reality TV show, it forces me to at least ask the question, are you more interested in God or are you more interested in fame? Mm-hmm. Um and, and I think it's a fair question. You can say it's a mean-spirited question, uh, but but I don't think so. You know, at one point in this process, he tweeted out a confession that says, when you lead out of an empty place, you make choices that have real and painful consequences. And then he talks about being unfaithful in his marriage. That's a great point. You know what? When we are empty, when we're leading out of our own strength, when we're not in relationship with God— we can make terrible choices. That feels like the jumping off point for maybe go away for six months or a year or five years or 10 years uh, and think about the choices you've made. And launching a reality TV show doesn't feel like there's a very thoughtful examination of of those bad choices. Yeah, I'm re- I was I was reminded I mean, first of all, it's a cause for prayer, right? I mean, we we certainly need to be praying. Absolutely. We're not seeking to gossip about somebody. We're no. we're we're using an article that has been very publicly published, um, and comments that this individual has now publicly. I mean, he's he's proud of of his sin, um, and the part for me that um, I think as a Christian in the culture today and talking with the next generation about these kinds of topics, I would turn to Jeremiah chapter six. Um, verses 13 and 15. Um, From the least of them, even to the greatest, um, they have given in to covetousness. From the prophet to the priest, every one of them deals falsely. Um, Were were they ashamed? Were they ashamed when they committed these abominations? No, they were not at all ashamed. They couldn't even blush. Um, They couldn't even blush. I think that the, the forgetting how to blush, the forgetting that there are real causes for um, real confession, and that God alone is the place uh, that we can take those uh, sins as sinners. You know, I just, all of that is wrapped up in this for me. Yeah. Well, and ultimately, Carmen, we're all faced with the reality of our sin. And by God's grace, we have Jesus as our Savior. Mm-hmm. But that that reality doesn't give us license to embrace our sin as if it doesn't matter. And, you know, Paul obviously takes, talks about this a lot in in Romans 6 and 7, you know, shall we keep sinning so God's grace may abound? By no means. Um, That God's grace leads us toward hopefully a deeper sense of remorse when we do make those choices. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, but something's really sideways here. And I think, you know, he has, uh, he and um, several others at the church 
there's been a lot of celebrities that have participated in their worship. And I just, I just can't help but wonder if that becomes intoxicating, you know, mm-hmm. you end up worshiping the wrong thing. And, um, so yeah, I think responding in prayer is absolutely, that's absolutely the right response here, Carmen. All right, Adam. Hey, thank you so much. Um, let me just uh, say to our listeners, um, at this point in the program, we air Breakpoint, and we are going to do so today, but we got a little message from our friends at Breakpoint, um, taking note of the fact that today's content in Breakpoint is what you might consider hmm, sensitive. So let me just go ahead and say, if there are little ears um, in the room right now or in the car right now, um, you might want to... Um, You might want to listen to this via the podcast later, or you might want to um, just, you know, turn on your earbuds there for a second. All right. So Breakpoint's a little bit sensitive today. Um, We just wanted to make you aware of that before we go there. All right. We'll be right back. All righty. If you want to read it, um, if you want to tweet it, if you want to post it, if you want to share it, if you want to listen to it again, you can simply go to breakpoint.org. It is the lead piece there on um, on the website. And um, yes, it's sensitive, but it's also right. It's, it's so it's so right. Okay, uh, next up, Tim and Miriam Harris are going to join me to talk about loving your Muslim neighbors. I'm going to straight up ask them Uh, about the cultural sensitivity related to Valentine's Day. So this is a conversation you don't want to miss. Consider the words Job said to God. I had heard about you before, but now I have seen you. This is Max Locato. You can use the book of Job as evidence that God gives us questions and no answers. But to do so, you need to cut out the rest of the book of Job, for that's not how Job heard it. All his life, Job had been a good man. All his life, he had believed in God. But in the storm, Job saw God. He saw hope, lover, destroyer, giver, taker, dreamer, deliverer. Job saw the tender anger of a God whose unending love is often received with a peculiar mistrust. Job stood as a blade of grass against the consuming fire of God's splendor. Job's demands melted like wax as God pulled back the curtain and heaven's light fell uneclipsed across the earth. This is Max Locato. Where you can find relevant Bible preaching and family-focused teaching to help you grow in your faith. Our mission is to lead people to Christ and nurture believers in their faith through Christ-centered media. Find out more about your favorite programs and features and find helpful articles on relevant topics such as marriage and family, finances, health and wellness, and spiritual growth, all at MyFaithRadio.com. You and I um, have Muslim neighbors. We know it. We see them. We don't often uh, talk to them. We don't often engage them uh, in conversations related to the faith. And so what does it look like to love our Muslim neighbors? Tim and Miriam Harris have been 
doing so and demonstrating so for a long time. Uh, and they have written a book on the topic, Loving Your Muslim Neighbor. Welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. Good, yes, thank good morning. you so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about how this um, journey started for the two of you. I know that um, the storyline, maybe to your own conversions related to this conversation, um, are a little bit different. So, so Tim, let's start with you. You, you know, how did you maybe fall in love with reaching Muslims for Christ? So we went to a conference in 2006 uh, while we were still pastoring. We pastored in churches around the country in different roles for about 25 years. Then I became a very burnt-out pastor, just wanting to be out with people from the nations and going to the nations. In 2006, we both went to a conference in Dearborn, Michigan, on reaching out to Muslim people. And it's kind of hard to explain, but really in one weekend, God put a supernatural love in my heart for Muslim people and just a passion to reach out to them. And so within a year, we resigned from pastoral ministry and started raising support and just reaching out to Muslim people. And then um, Miriam, um, in that weekend when Tim sort of in a in a moment, fell in love with this. Um, what what was your response, and and how did this happen for you? Well, it was a little bit different. I was at the conference and um, saw was around Muslims for the first time because they took us out into the community during the conference, and I was not as comfortable with Muslim people as Mark is. And I, as Tim is, and um, I, um, so it's it's still a struggle a bit. I'm not an extrovert. And so I do have a smile ministry, though, that I can, when I go to the mall, I can smile at Muslim women. But talking with them is still a struggle for me. So I know people might be able to identify with me a little bit more than they do with Tim. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I love the smile ministry part of this. Um, now that we're all wearing masks, that is a little bit of a challenge. I, um, uh, my one like outreach at the grocery store that I would regard as like, you know, successful engagement with a Muslim neighbor um, was around how to choose a good onion. So there you oh, go. Oh, that's great. <clears throat> yeah, that's because really she great. was, she clearly knew because she was like really, at, she was really, she picked. She, she must have picked up twenty or thirty until she before she selected one. And I was observing her, and then I was like, "Okay, so you picked up twenty or thirty, and you selected that one. Why that one?" And she, you can even through even through the you know the mask, right? Like you can still see somebody's eyes light up, and her eyes lit up. And she yeah. went on to describe to me that you know how do you choose a good onion? It's based on the weight, and you want one with a high water content, and the heavier the better, and blah blah blah. A lot of bad onions in America. Okay, so. Um, uh, yeah, so there's lots of layers to that conversation. Let's talk. <laughs> let's talk about the good news. God is definitely moving in the Muslim world. Um, this is uh, this is you know you you talk about this a lot in um, in the book. But tell people um, what's going on. I mean, Christ is really revealing Himself in extraordinary ways among Muslims. Talk about that. Absolutely. You know, I think um, we think because. Um, most of us as followers of Jesus, as Christians, 
so many of us are either angry or afraid of Muslims, especially since 9-11 with the rise of ISIS, with these, you know, lone wolf uh, attacks around the world. So many people, they're just our, our, our go-to response when we see a Muslim person is fear, anger, or suspicion. And, and yet, God, you know, we want to tell people Muslims are just people like you and, and like me, like us. They, they want to have a peaceful life. They come here to the states um, to have a better life. But God is moving in hearts so many Muslims because of the tragedies in so many countries like Syria, for example. Many Muslims are just saying, I've had it with Islam. If this is Islam, I don't want it anymore. And so many Muslims are secretly searching. They don't want to voice it. They don't want to get in trouble. But underneath, they're asking questions. And they just need a follower of Jesus to love them and reach out to them, talk to them about onions, you know, like you did. Smile at them. Uh, They need us. And the number one way Muslims come to Jesus is through a relationship with a loving Christian. Yeah, so I want, um, when we get to take a very brief break, when we come back, I want you to tell people about Khalil from Saudi Arabia, what he prayed before he got off the bus um, at an American university, and, and how the person listening right now might actually be the answer to a Muslim's prayer. That's up next with Tim and Miriam Harris. The book is Loving Your Muslim Neighbor. We'll be right back. All right, I'm talking with Tim and Miriam Harris. The book is Loving Your Muslim Neighbor. The website is ilovemuslims.net. Tell us the story of Khalil from Saudi Arabia uh, and what he prayed before he got off the university bus. Well, Khalil uh, prayed before he got off the university bus that he would meet a kind American. And so I was passing out flyers for ISI, International Students Incorporated, about a, a picnic, a fall picnic. And I was just getting down to my last 10 or so flyers, looking for international students around that campus and just praying, Lord, please let just the right people get these flyers. I was down to my last one, and I knew my parking meter, I was going to get a ticket. It was so hot. I was so tired by the end of the day, but I was still praying, who's to get this last one? A bus stopped, a university bus stopped, and I saw a tall Arab man, young man, get off the bus. And I went over and shouted, uh, I shouted from a distance, Salam Aleikum which means peace be upon you in Arabic. And, of course, he was shocked. We began to make conversation, and we began to develop incredible friendship, including me sharing the gospel with him a lot. And two years into that relationship, he said, <laughs> he said to me um, at a restaurant, he said, Tim, do you remember the day we met? I said, I'll never, I'll never forget it. I said, I told you that I was praying for whoever would get that last flyer. And he said, I never told you, but that day, right before I got off the bus, I prayed I would meet a kind American. 
there are a number of um, ministries that, like the one that you've described to international students on college campuses near where each and every one of us lives. Um, that's uh, that is definitely a good place to get some training if you um, want to enter in, uh, tip your toe uh, into these conversations. Meeting international students is a great way to do this. Meeting refugees in your own community is also a touch point. I have found the grocery store, um, as well as uh, places like Walmart, when people are buying school supplies, Mm -hmm. to be um, really good points of intersection with Muslim neighbors near where I live. Um, Talk a little bit about that, Miriam. Just talk about the ways in which you encounter Muslim women, um, you know, sort of in the context of everyday life, and maybe, uh, maybe some things that go beyond the smile ministry to actually, you know, the development of a relationship. Um, well, the, um, I, I am very shy. So my, uh, extent of really building a relationship has been a little limited. Mark is more the one who has, Tim is more the one who has, um, really built his relationships with the men. And then I will, you know, the wives, I will, uh, come in and, uh, befriend them, and we have done some things like once with um, our friend Iman, we decided to try to take her to a trunk and treat with her two daughters, and um, that was a fiasco because we'd gotten the wrong church in a different state, and we were going to this one church, and there was no one there, And but it turned out to be such a fun thing because the girls were hungry. We took them to McDonald's. And well, we had we went and bought some candy first, I should say, because the girls were really disappointed they didn't get candy. And then we went to McDonald's with the girls and we ended up handing out our candy to the McDonald's workers. And there was a woman there who had just moved to um, um, our area. And so we we kind of um, we were modeling to the girls how to reach out and talk to other people and give things away and really sprinkle the seeds of the gospel. Even though these girls are Muslim, um, they got to see us in action, which was really a fun thing because it turned out at first to be a fiasco, but mm-hmm. God redeemed our God redeemed our mistake. So, um, so which is evidence— yeah, it's evidence of the gospel, right? Redeeming redeeming the fiasco um, is, is the gospel in a nutshell. Absolutely. Um, I am talking with Tim and Miriam Harris. We're talking about their new book, Loving Your Muslim Neighbor. You can uh, you can find them at ilovemuslims.net. Let's let's talk about a spiritual or a culturally sensitive question. Um, Valentine's Day is this weekend. I am aware in my own community that um the Muslims uh, near where I live um, really kind of offended by Valentine's Day. Um, actually, anything that is kind of a, a gross secularization of of love. Um, I'm wondering. Um, uh, I'm wondering, Tim, if you can address that. Some, you know, like, you know, I, I probably, even though I love my Muslim neighbors, I probably ought not send them a Valentine. <laughs> I think it depends on how well you know your Muslim neighbor. I mean, really, we are all about relationship, relationship, relationship. And if, if you're, if you know who your Muslim friend is, you might be fine doing that. You might be Mm -hmm. fine even sending them a Christmas 
card. It just you've got to find out who your Muslim friend is because they're just like us. They're they're all everyone is different. Everyone's an individual. So I wouldn't worry too much about making mistakes. The biggest mistake you can make is not showing genuine love. Hmm. Um, there's a chapter, there's actually a couple of chapters in the book, but one that um, definitely caught my attention, and that's this conversation about evangelism um, being a higher kingdom priority than patriotism. And I think that, you know, to be fair, this is probably where you go from um, from preaching to meddling. Uh, so I'm I'm aware of that. I'm sensitive to that. Talk with us about loving my Muslim neighbor um, like Jesus versus like Jonah. Yes, we, we think that uh, what we find so often as we travel to churches to do seminars on reaching out to Muslims is that so many of us are more like Jonah when it comes to Muslims than we are like Jesus. Uh, Jonah, we all know the story. Uh, he ran away. You know, he tried to go to Spain instead of to northern Iraq, what's now northern Iraq. He, uh, he hid. And then we know he even hated, because in chapter 4, he is so depressed and really angry at God, because God has forgiven the Ninevites. And, and we have sadly had Christian people uh, say to us that they really, they really don't want Muslim people to go to heaven. They don't deserve it, as if any one of us does. And so we have we found so many people also they'll question even our patriotism mm-hmm. and we say to them listen we are patriots we love the US but but we ask them we challenge them will you be like Jonah or will you be like Jesus and are you more worried about the eternal destiny of muslim people than you are this fear of of muslims uh, taking over America, even though even though they're only like one percent of our population, and so we do challenge people lovingly but pretty hard about these questions. Well, and rightly so, rightly so. Tim and Miriam, um, thank you so much. The book is "Loving Your Muslim Neighbor." You can find them at ilovemuslims.net. They. Um, They serve with the Evangelical Presbyterian Church World Outreach. You can also find them there. Love our friends at the EPC. Um, Tim and Miriam, thank you so much for joining us today on Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much, Carmen. Yes, thanks for having us. God bless. Absolutely. God bless. We'll be right back. All right. I would be remiss if I failed to take this opportunity to wish my sister a happy birthday. Her birthday is on Valentine's Day. I actually grew up thinking that all of the hearts and all of the fuss was about her. And so let me not forget that today. She is my dearest and best friend in all the world. I love her fiercely. I am so grateful that she's my sister in Christ in addition to being the firstborn in our family. Um, Tiana, you are a gift of God to me in more ways than you will ever know. Happy birthday my sweet sister, and happy anniversary to my sweet mom and stepdad, Ron. Their anniversary is also on Valentine's Day. We are a people who have apparently made much of February the 14th. We just we just heap things upon it. So um, don't miss the Valentines that God is sending you. They may arrive in the form of those perfectly formed, utterly unique snowflakes. They may arrive as 
um, little crocus or even daffodils that begin to bloom. Uh, They may arrive, well, they will certainly arrive on the wings of the morning sun. Look for all of those places and spaces where God is sending you evidence of his love today. And remember, remember, he sent you written messages enough to fill your inbox forever in the Bible. He sent his one and only son that you might spend a lifetime unwrapping the depths of his love for you. Uh, God loves you. Don't miss that this Valentine's weekend. And be the person who ensures that those around you, particularly those who might be feeling lonely or unloved, uh, be the person that gets the message to them that they too are beloved of God. Let this Valentine's weekend uh, be a redeemed expression of love in the culture. Not just a sappy, you know, chalky candy heart, but the real deal, the real thing. All right. Uh, Go forth. Go forth in God's love. Have a great weekend. God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.